Hello, and welcome to the Enneagram in a Movie podcast, part of the Awareness to Action podcast network. This is the podcast that looks at one film in each episode and uses it to explain the nine types and three instinctual biases of the Enneagram model of personality. One movie, one type. My name is Mario Sakura, and I'll be joined by Maria Jose Munita and Tamar Zanatti. We are the principals of Awareness to Action International, a global consulting and training company that specializes in practical applications of the Enneagram. You can find out more about us and our work at awarenesstoaction.com. In the meantime, make some popcorn, sit back, and enjoy the show. Welcome back, everybody. Here we are uh, again. Continuing our conversation about the inner triangle of the Enneagram, the core qualities, and the saga of Rocky Balboa. I'm Mario Sakura, and I'm here, as always, with Maria Jose Monita. Hi, Mario. Hi, Tamar. And with Tamar Zanetti. Hello, Mario Jose. Hello, Mario. So the movie Creed, it's interesting because I've watched this multiple times in preparation for this podcast. And so a thing to keep in mind about it, it continues the story of Rocky Balboa for sure. But it is also a sort of a sequel and a spinoff, right? Meaning that it follows, you know, we could consider it, let's see, what is it, Rocky Seven in a sense. Uh, But it was also the start of a new series because there was a Creed II uh, that came along after. Uh, Not as good a movie. It was okay, but not, you know, not nearly in the in the league of creed the movie creed was directed by ryan coogler and and this is fascinating story to me i was reading a little bit about this so ryan coogler had made one movie prior to this movie called fruitville station fruit fruitvale station i'm I'm drawing a blank now it's either fruitville or fruitvale it's much more let's see lower budget movie for sure it's an excellent excellent movie but not a big deal Right. And then he gets the opportunity to make this movie. And he came up with the idea he had just been wanting to make what he called a black Rocky movie. Right. So uh, Ryan Coogler is a black director and he, you know, he wanted to make a Rocky movie that more reflected his life experience. Okay. As a black man. And as he started shopping this idea around, you know, Rock, um, Sylvester Stallone agreed to participate, which was kind of a surprise. Now, uh, so again, this is this guy's second movie, and his third movie is um, um, Black Panther. Okay, so this is a guy with some serious, serious movie making chops here, right? I mean, Black Panther is a great, great movie and a huge epic and a huge, huge box office success. And um, it's a very, very mature film, right? And as I was keeping that in mind as I was watching Creed, there were some just basic filmmaking tech techniques that really amazed me, right? I mean, for example, the the, the first fight that uh, he has, it's all filmed in one scene, right? I mean, I don't know if you noticed that, but there were no cuts 
during that those two rounds of boxing and there were even parts there where the camera would pan from the fighters to rocky and then pan back and if you watch it from a technical perspective it's really an impressive impressive piece of filmmaking made me think of the um scene from goodfellas the famous tracking scene uh, with ray liotta and lorraine brocco well, well, um, you, you became an expert in uh, in filmmaking <laughs> after this episode <laughs> <laughs> well you know <laughs> I wouldn't quite go that far, but uh, you know, I, 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 I do tend to geek out. I have a lot of opinions about things. Yes, this we know. So, um, so this is a really mature piece of filmmaking, and I think it's the best of the three movies from a story, acting, technical, and probably the highest budget. I don't know if the budget was higher than Rocky Balboa or not. I think it was about a $30 million budget. The fact that they gave $30 million to somebody making their second film for this was really impressive. Interestingly enough, it's the first Rocky movie where Rocky Balboa, I'm sorry, Sylvester Stallone is not the lead name in the credits, right? Mm -hmm. Michael B. Jordan, again, from Black Panther, right? He plays the bad guy in Black Panther. He plays Creed in this movie. Very, very gifted actor. He was in two of my all-time favorite TV series, uh, season one of The Wire, where he played Wallace, and last few seasons of Friday Night Lights, a great, great underrated television show. If you can go back and watch that, I highly recommend it. So, uh, very, very gifted actor, Michael B. Jordan. So, Creed tells the story of the illegitimate son of Apollo Creed, who was, of course, Rocky's opponent in the first movie. Now, because we skipped over many of the Rocky movies, we have to understand that Rocky and Apollo Creed fought twice. There was a secret third fight that makes, you know, there's reference to in this uh, third movie. That took place at the end of Rocky III, which is the movie in which Rocky and Apollo Creed became friends. Okay. And then in Rocky Four, Apollo Creed is killed in the ring by Ivan Drago, the evil Soviet uh, fighting machine. And Rocky blames himself for Apollo Creed's death because he doesn't throw in the towel to stop the fight when he should. Okay. So this is all the background to Creed, the movie. And we learn that uh, Apollo Creed has this illegitimate son uh, uh, by a, a woman who is not his wife, who is ending up being raised in juvenile homes and foster care and all of these things until Apollo Creed's widow tracks him down as a boy and takes him to live with her and to be raised. So he goes from poverty and uh, youth homes to a life of real luxury. Okay, you know, the scene where they pull up to the mansion, you know, where they live, you know, he's got a pretty good life. So he he has this good life. He's a child of, you know, wealth in a sense, but he has this kind of chip on his shoulder. And when Creed's widow, I'm drawing a blank on her name, um, but uh, played by Felicia Rashad, Rashad uh, when she finds him, he had just been in another fight with another boy at the, uh, the youth home. So Creed, uh, he's going now by Donnie Johnson. Johnson was his mother's name. He doesn't use the name Creed because he's trying to become his own person. And even though he has a very good job, he just gets a promotion at a financial services company, he wants to be a boxer. Okay, He had been doing these sort of 
you know, low rent fights in uh, Tijuana instead of, you know, some of the, uh, uh, you know, more standard fights. But uh, he decides he wants to quit his job and become a real fighter and establish his own worth and identity through his ability to box. So he makes this decision. He's going to leave Los Angeles, where he was raised. First, he tries to get the son of his father's trainer, uh, Little Duke. I mean, we get that there's a there's a Lil in all these movies, it seems. Uh, that, uh, you know, we had Lil Marie in, in Rocky Balboa, and now we have Little Duke, who's the trainer, played by Wood Harris. Uh, he refuses to train Creed because he just thinks he's... the Mainly, he thinks that he's a spoiled rich kid. And the best boxers are people who need to box and are willing to risk their life because they don't have anything else to do. Okay, They have no other way out of their circumstances. So he tells them, I'm not going to do it. He decides, I'm going to go find Rocky. I'm going to go to Philadelphia and have Rocky train me. So he goes to Philadelphia, and Rocky is pretty much where we left him. At the end of Rocky Balboa, he is running Adrian's restaurant. Creed shows up one evening, starts talking to Rocky, not asking him questions, saying he recognizes the uh, you know the pictures, but not telling him who he is right away. Until Rocky kind of starts asking questions. Wait a minute, how do you know that? How do you know that? And they then discovers that he is Creed's son. Uh, Rocky doesn't want to train him. Right. Rocky's is kind of trying to put all that behind himself. And um, but Creek makes the compelling case, ultimately gets him to agree to be his trainer. Any thoughts about Rocky's reaction or the inner the exchange between Creed and Rocky in that section? When he's refusing to train him? Yeah, when they're talking in the restaurant yeah. Yeah, particularly. Yeah. I think that he's ambivalent um, because he wants to kind of take care of the boy but at the same time wants to help him so he wants to help him but he could help him by training him or by keeping him safe understanding that he, the guy will fight anyway yeah. so it's it is but i think that it has to do with feeling like a good person he doesn't want to be to get him hurt or damaged and he wants to be good but it's hard because the guy wants to fight anyway so it's yeah also also i um, what reached me that that uh, rocky is really preparing to de- to live this life and he doesn't really want to get involved into any new projects or any new initiatives and somehow he's feeling like he's no good anymore. It's, it's, I mean, yeah. let's, let's spend these remaining days until I go and meet Adrian. This is really what I want to do. So, so somehow it's, I think it's stunting of the benevolence again at point nine. Somehow this is what yeah. was driving this interaction. And this is a point we've made before that growth and development and evolution happens in fits and starts, right? It's two step forward, one step back. We talked about it being a spiral, right? That we kind of keep finding ourselves facing the same challenges over and over again, just from a different vantage point, right? Uh, From a different place. So, just because a three finds their purpose at one point or a nine finds this feeling of generativity 
doesn't mean it's going to last forever, right? Enlightenment does not come from a weekend-long workshop, right? It, it, you know, the, these we have these insights and revelations, and we make progress, and then we slide back down. And so the the work we have to do on ourselves is ongoing, right? It's it's just it's never ending. It's you know. A step at a time, a punch at a time, a round at a time, you know, and uh, as you know, Rocky says to Creed. So so that's one of the big takeaways. It was also interesting to me that Creed pointed out that Rocky had not called uh, Marianne since the funeral. Right. Uh, which was kind of odd because they were friends and, um, you know, but there was just something about that that Rocky was avoiding. Right. Avoiding that feeling of pain and suffering that uh, sense of guilt a sense of guilt as, as well right so um uh, paulie's not around anymore paulie has passed away as well we have the you know what has become the obligatory scene of rocky at the cemetery where he is now going to visit both paulie and adrian and again he seems at peace with himself even though it's kind of a sad piece mm -hmm. right um and we like see I'm done. Yeah, it's it's. I'm just waiting to die yes. in a sense, right? You know, it's that autopilot. You know, all right, this will be over soon. You know, let's let me just fill my time until it until it happens. The encounter with Creed rekindles Rocky's spirit, right? Um, you know, he's kind of drawn back into caring about life again. And again, it's not dramatic, right? I mean, it's not this, you know, it's not the kind of dramatic thing we saw in Rocky Balboa where, you know, I've got one more in the tank, you know, I can do this, I can still prove myself. No, it's more of a, a sort of serene, yeah. you know, re-entry into the world. Right? And it's, uh, it's like more mature. It's, I have nothing to demonstrate. Uh, it's, it's more internal. It, it right. fuels me, but... I don't need it, so it's, right. it's yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah. more of uh, the value at point three. I mean, it's intrinsic. I don't really need to to overdo it. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, that, that's an excellent point, Tamar. So Rocky has sort of gained some of that sense of intrinsic value. Right. I I don't have anything left to prove. Mm. And there's even a point later in the movie where he says to to Creed, he said, "Look, I, I've proven myself. You know, like I, you know, I had my career, I had my thing. You know, now you have to do it. Uh, you know, it's up to you." And and then this so, is obvious, Mario, in in the way that people is treating him everywhere. I mean, whenever he gets into where, I mean, people like really wants to take photos with him and so on. Although he's 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 like. He's like at the end of his life, but it, yes. cho it shows the entrancing value. Yes, yes. And, you know, so it's interesting because there was a, you know, there were, that was a really strong theme in Rocky Balboa, right, of, you know, everybody wanting the picture taken with him now. And the first sort of encounter with celebrity that we see in this sense is when, when Rocky meets um, Bianca. The, Bianca. Right. Uh, so just to back us up a little bit here, Creed moves to Philadelphia, as we said. He meets this girl who's a singer, you know, living in the apartment beneath him named Bianca. They strike up a relationship. And when, you know, and then all of a sudden he decides he's moving to go move in with Rocky. And she's looking out the window and says, Oh, are you moving? You know, were you going to tell me, you know, kind of thing. And then she sees Rocky come around he's and creed has at this point started to referring to him as unc um you know uncle um and and 
you know, he says, oh, this is my uncle. And she says, uh, this is my uncle. And she says, oh, your uncle's white. And, and Rocky says, yeah, for a long time now. And, <laughs> and, and uh, so Rocky gets into the van and she looks at him and says, when were you going to tell me your uncle was Rocky Balboa? Yeah. Right. So it's not like she ran down there and said, oh, can we get a selfie? Yes. Right. Yeah. It was kind of like, yeah, I know who you are. You're a star. That's you're cool. a big deal. You're, you're, a, you're a big deal, but I'm not going to make a big deal out of it, right? You, you know, it's I think a, it's like they're used to him. It's part of the city. It's part of the. Right. It's part of them, and yes. uh, it's not like news anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny. There used to be a commercial for one of the local uh, news channels where they would show this news van for the channel all over the city and they'd say, oh, there's that news van again. So it's almost like, oh, there's Rocky again. You know? yeah. So, but, but, but I think it was more reflecting this idea of this intrinsic value and that it's not about the fame and it's not about the external. It's not about the selfie. Um, so to speak, and it's not—it's not about the action. You, yes. you don't need to act in order to yes. to, to to radiate this uh, intrinsic value. Awareness to action offers a unique approach to applying the Enneagram professionally with leaders and organizations, as well as for personal development. What makes us stand apart is our Enneagram expertise and focus on understanding human nature. We know people because we see people. And this is a skill set that can be taught and learned. Human nature is complex and simple at the same time. Our mission is to help people see clearly and act accordingly. Why? Because the ability to see ourselves and others clearly and honestly is essential. It enables us to act in more adaptive and useful ways. The Multicultural Team and Awareness to Action will help you learn tools and practices to become more aware and also to understand and engage people more effectively. Learn more at awarenesstoaction.com. Join us at 2021 for exciting learning opportunities. So he is now going by Donnie Johnson. Okay? He does not tell her that he is Apollo Creed's son. They show up at Mickey's gym, which is now being run by another guy who is training his son to be a fighter. That uh, uh, Creed has been training there, but they're just kind of ignoring him, you know, and letting him sort of work, you know, by himself. But when Rocky shows up to train him, at Mickey's gym, it's a whole different story. It's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, right? So, you know, why are you here, Rocky? And, uh, you know, who is this kid? Why are you paying attention to him and all this sort of stuff? So this act of celebrity changes the dynamic in a, in a big mm -hmm. way at Mickey's gym. They realize this is unsustainable, so they move to the Front Street gym. Now, Mickey's gym is long gone. Go, go ahead. It's unsustainable because uh, Creed is going to fight the son of the uh, gym owner. Yes. Yeah. So yes. they don't want to uh, train in the same place. Right, right. So they, they, they arrange to have this fight, and it's just kind of a tune-up, you know, for the son who is going to, you know, uh, uh, fight uh, in, in the future. I want to get back to this, uh, the presence of uh, uh, Rocky, Rocky with, uh, with Creed and how this changed the whole dynamic uh, between Creed and the owner of the gym. And and this this is like... It, it demonstrates how powerful is this intrinsic value 
I mean, it's like Rocky did not do anything, but the yeah. consequences were really like, I mean, complete change in how people are dealing with creed. I mean, how people are dealing with others even due to this intrinsic value. And this is what mature value looks like, right? It's it's not just getting back to, I don't have to do anything and then be valuable. It's this idea that I have done things, I have achieved, I have accomplished, I have demonstrated, and now I don't have to worry about that anymore. I don't have to get distracted because this is the fundamental theme of Creed. It is why we think of it as a three movie rather than a nine movie, because it is all about how do I capture this feeling of intrinsic value? And I have to go through the process of achievement to get to the state where achievement no longer matters. It's just assumed and it's irrelevant and we see beyond it. Okay. This is the heart of the story. And it's all about Creed trying to figure out, okay, who am I really? Why do I matter? Do I only matter because I'm Apollo Creed's son? Or is there something really about me that makes me matter? At what To what extent should I divorce myself from this aspect of who I am? I am Apollo Creed's son. And I keep rejecting that in, in favor of some other kind of accomplishments. Instead of just embracing... I am who I am. I don't have to pretend to be somebody else. I can just be and do and interact and engage with life. This is the lesson the three has to learn. And it's the lesson of this movie. Go ahead. And it's quite a challenge for him. And I think yeah. for anybody, it's kind of living in the shadow. It's like uh, Rocky's son who also had to move to this place called Vancouver. Google it if you've never heard of it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, because it was just too hard for him to live in uh, Rocky's shadow, under his shadow. Yeah. And so, so I guess it's a fair concern it's a fair yeah. problem to have and and it's the movie it's about that it's how do i as you were saying accept all of who i am not hiding a part of me just to prove that i'm valuable yeah and i think i think maria Z, you're touching on a very important point that uh, when a person is trying to hide part of who he is it's like feeling i mean and this is the stunting value that feeling that parts of this value is not related to him it's another person value and i read really uh, to divorce from it in order yeah. to grow my own value but yeah. the more it's matured the more you understand what is part of you and what is not really part of you. And you embrace it and use it to grow your value rather than divorce from it. As I was watching this movie again, I was thinking about how threes are portrayed in most of the Enneagram literature of being superficial and false and deceptive and shallow or whatever it is and how frustrated I get with that depiction of threes. I, I think it's, I think it's one of the Enneagram types that is most unfairly depicted in the literature and having worked with countless threes 
in my work as an executive coach, the vast majority of them are just as deep and thoughtful and caring as anybody else, right? I remember one Enneagram teacher telling me one time that she didn't believe threes have souls, uh, you know, which I thought was just absurd. And uh, they have just as much soul as anybody else, but they exemplify this experience we all have of not being comfortable with our sense of who we are and thus feeling like we have to manufacture something. The thing that keeps coming up in this movie is Adonis's fear of being a, quote, fake creed, unquote, right? It's, it's something that comes up over and over. Yes. Yeah, so there's this thing about not wanting to have people value him because of who he is, but then not wanting people to have an expectation of him because of right. who he is. Yes. So it's this tension. It's yes. like, I don't want people to overvalue me because I'm, but the overvalue also implies that they will have this expectation that I will be at a certain level that, and I might not be. So that's scary. So it's safer to just hide that part of me and uh, prove myself without letting people know. Yeah. Understanding that these days, it's just really hard to hide anything. <laughs> Yes. And, and, you know, to, to that point, the way that, um, Bianca finds out who he is, is through, she says, I'm going to, what did she say? I'm going to look you up. Right. So she goes on her phone and starts searching on social media and then finds out, which had recently been revealed that he is indeed Apollo Creed's son. Okay. Um, which doesn't make her happy. Right? Because, you know, why would you not tell me something that important, right? And so it, it's this idea of hiding these things about ourselves, which, again, is represented by point three on the Enneagram, hiding this who we really think we are in exchange for this image of how we want to be taken. Now, of course, because we haven't integrated who we are and who we want to be, we all wrestle with this tension that you were just talking about, Maria Jose. I'm kind of damned if I do and damned if I don't, right? If I stay true to who I am, then you know, or be true to who I think I am, I might be found to be insufficient, but I don't, you know, want to take the risk of being something else either. Yeah, and to be fair, the people people around them do play place value in where they come from. So they look at him differently when they know that he's Apollo Creed's son compared to how they looked at him before. So it's not just in their minds that it makes a difference. People around them uh, treat them differently. They see them differently depending on the information they have about them. This is a really important point that I, I want to come back to at the conclusion of our podcast today on this tension between, because there is this theme through these movies of you are where you come from, right? You are your place. Uh, we've talked about how Philadelphia and Rocky are interwoven. Throughout this movie, they refer to him as Hollywood, right? Until <laughs> they find out he's Creed. And even this idea of being Creed, it's the origin, right? I mean, he literally his roots are in Apollo Creed. Um, so we are what we come from. We are what 
you know, our history is, but we don't have to be just that. Yes. Is the message of this movie, right? Mm -hmm. So how do we acknowledge that, work with that, and stretch beyond that? This again is the message of the Enneagram, right? You cannot get freedom from your Enneagram type until you understand your Enneagram type. You have to understand where you're from, in a sense, okay? And then you will never get away from it, okay? And you really shouldn't try to get away from it. What you should try to get away from is the limitations it places on you. Yeah, and it makes me think of the conversation of Rocky in Rocky Balboa with his son, where he says, okay, stop blaming <laughs> kind mm. of who you're, I mean, your father is and just go and live your life. You know, it's not uh, a justification for your uh, failures or it's just who you are. Just live with it and grow, grow up, you know. Yeah, yeah and even, even in leaders, sometimes when a leader keeps on blaming the previous leaders' leadership for whatever challenges they are facing it's it's like it's like this is who the organization is so accept that and move forward and really build on that and overcome challenging you cannot keep on saying that this is because of what happens before i come here for years and years and years are you interested in learning more about our approach to the enneagram go to awarenesstoaction.com and check out our certification program we offer a clear, concise, business-friendly, and science-minded approach while maintaining the depth of traditional approaches to the system. At Awareness to Action International, we're the leading innovators in the theory and pragmatic applications of this system to all aspects of the work environment, including leadership and personal development, team building, diversity and culture, and managing change. However, this approach is not just for the business world. A lot of people who attend our trainings do so for their own self-development or spiritual growth. Our certification program is one of only a handful of curricula accredited as a school by the International Enneagram Association. It is currently being conducted virtually and combines live sessions with asynchronous learning. Again, find out more at awarenesstoaction.com. So he reveals to Bianca who he is, or he you know, talks to Bianca about who he is. She revealed it, right? And um, then it's funny because they have this argument on the street and then make up about it. And at the end of it, she says, you do kind of look like him, right? <laughs> you know, and, and he it's like, says, she's teasing oh, him. <laughs> she's teasing him, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yeah, you do kind of look like Apollo Creed. And, you know, he picks her up and says, oh, I hate when people say that. And, you know, so again, it, but, but he, you can tell he's comfortable now, right? They've kind of worked through this. So, uh, again, once it is revealed to the world that um, he is Apollo Creed's son, he gets tapped. He becomes interesting to people. And that's kind right. of why it's unfair, because it's it's like he's the same person, the same fighter. Yes. But now people want to fight him because he's interesting. They will sell mm. more tickets to the fight. And yeah, that's how it works. So... He gets chosen to be in a fight. The fighter Ricky Conlon is the light heavyweight champion of the world and is about to go to prison. So he's trying to get one more fight uh, to make lots of money so that his family will be supported while he's in prison for seven years. Um, <laughs> boxing has kind of a, a mixed <laughs> uh, a mixed bag of personalities in it, as we know. Uh, so they see this as a payday. 
right? I mean, the guy's really only had one fight, you know, other than the 15 fights in Tijuana. And um, so he's really not qualified to get into the ring with um, with Ricky Conlon. And everybody knows it, okay? He knows it in the same way that Rocky knew it when he was going to fight Creed's father. But he's going to do it anyway because it's an opportunity to test himself and it's part of the script. So, <laughs> of the movie, right? <laughs> it's part of the the, the, uh, the, the, the timeless Rocky storyline. I, I would say this part is also related to the accelerator of the evidence. Uh, it's, it's like, yes, this is a tough challenge. But, I mean, we need to understand that there's a gap between the capabilities and the challenge. And we already have uh, lots of experienced people and lots of will that can take us there. So, I mean, I feel I feel uh, somehow this was not clearly said and uh, or maybe I'm overdoing it, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's a loud time. Yeah. Yeah. We've all done so many things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> We're talking about these movies. But, Go but, ahead. But I feel I feel that this is what was in the mind of Creed and Rocky at that time, that yes, it is really a tough challenge, but but we can work, I mean, we can prepare ourselves to to overcome the challenge. We also find out about this point that Rocky has cancer. Okay, they are they're training in the ring, and I don't know if you guys noticed this, but uh, Creed was actually wearing a Rocky T-shirt at the time that on the back says, "I've got to fight because I can't sing or dance." Um, mm-hmm. You know, while he's sparring with Rocky, uh, Rocky gets sick. They take him to the hospital. They find out that he has cancer. Rocky, when he when it's revealed to him, he wants to keep it a secret and he wants to refuse chemotherapy and treatment. And there's this um, what I found was a really touching scene where Rocky's having this revelation or this this, you know, again, it's not so much a revelation, but this is how Adrian died. Adrian tried chemotherapy. She died and he just he just wants to give up. You know, it's and and again, it's not, you know, you don't get this feeling of I want to give up because life's too difficult. Mm-hmm. It's just that, okay, I'm done. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm done. And I don't want to go through this and I don't want to expose people to the pain and et cetera, et cetera. Right. And also, so, also a continuation for the theme that I, I just, I mean, spending time here. So if it's coming soon, that's okay. That's okay. Exactly right. It's that resignation related to point nine again, but just in a different, you know, from a different perspective. So Creed finds out about this. He's none too happy. They have this big fight where, you know, Rocky says some hurtful things to him. You know, you're, you're not my family, you know, all that sort of thing. So then Creed goes off. He goes to a big concert performance that Bianca is going to have gets into a fight with the headliner because the headliner of the show, you know, wanted to get a selfie done with him. And then as he's walking away, he refers to him as baby Creed, right? Which sets Creed off. He punches him, punches some of the security guys, ends up in jail. Rocky comes to get him out of jail and they have this big fight you're not my friend, you're not my family, go away, you sick old man sort of things. Okay, so you're seeing this pain, this misbehavior that comes out when we're in pain, right? And again, gets to this point that as much as we like to think we're making progress as human beings, life sets us back, right? I mean, nobody is... Especially under stress. 
especially under stress. Absolutely right. And the goal in our work on ourselves is not to never fall into these patterns, but to get out of them more quickly than we used to. And, and, and this part shows, Mario, what you said before about the two steps forward and one step backward, the spiral dynamic, I mean, the spiral yes. that you go into. Yes, I'm progressing, but I will get some setback, but I keep on yes. progressing again. And this is so important for all of us to understand. And it's such an important message that we try to get through to our clients that you're not just going to be okay overnight, right? This is... This is an ongoing process and there are setbacks in life and you just need to keep moving forward, get back to doing the work. That's what they agreed to do. They have this sort of making up. Creed says to him, um, you know, I will fight if you will fight. And so Rocky agrees to get the treatment. So, so I think that there's something there where Rocky feels that he matters again. And so he's just waiting for uh, to die and it's quite at peace with that. But when Creed says, I'll fight if you fight, it's like, you're important to me. Yeah. And, yeah. and he regains a sense of value and that he had lost, I think. Or he needed right. at that point. You're right. And it's that generativity thing. It's the reminder to the nine that, no, wait a minute, you do have something to offer. Okay, You keep forgetting this. But you need to keep reminding yourself you have something to offer. So get back in there and offer it. Okay. So Rocky agrees to do this. They do go into the training montage. And it's interesting because now it is this, instead of just Rocky training and, uh, you know, it's now superimposed between Creed doing the training, Rocky fighting his illness and Ricky Conlon, you know, uh, sparring and fighting. So it's also for me, that why was, it, why, why is it called pretty Ricky Conlon? I, I can't answer that question. I, I don't, I, I, yeah, that, that I don't know. You know, these nicknames in boxing come from all sorts of places. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I guess I that's in the eye. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I, I guess it's in the eye of the beholder, right? Yeah. Um, and do, do you know why they did not use the stairs in the, in the, in the training montage? They used no. instead the running in the street. Oh, the, the and, stairs of the hospital, yeah. too. So, yeah. No, no, the, the stairs uh, that the Rocky, Rocky used to, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. I think they were, uh, I think, saving that, frankly, as we'll see, because that is how the movie ends at those steps. Uh -huh. And I think they were saving that. Now, there were stairs because he was running up and down the hospital steps, okay? Not quite as majestic, um, yes, right? Exactly. <laughs> but it was a very different, the corollary to the crescendo of the rocky training montage at the top of the art museum steps is very different from what we see in creed right so creed is actually running through that's my old neighborhood right that mm -hmm. the north the the the, the front street gym was five 
minute walk from where I lived for a lot of years, right? And so I know that place. And, you know, I even bought beer at the beer distributor sometimes uh, underneath of it, right? So it it is a, um, it's a very different kind of neighborhood than the art museum, for sure. And, you know, you, you guys see the, uh, the dirt bikes and the quads that these kids were riding up and down the street, right? And they're, they're very vocal in this. So that is a Philadelphia thing, okay? Rocky mentioned that, that it's a Philly thing there they ride these things illegally on the streets and they'll do wheelies so they go up and down you know dozens of them at a time will go up and down major streets in north philadelphia and we talked in the ferris bueller episode about cars representing freedom and liberation in a sense and this i think is what these dirt bikes and quads represent here as well as this feeling of liberation because when you see these kids riding these things on the street they're breaking the rules right they're riding on the wrong side of the roads they're you know they're they're breaking the law just as and it's you know it, it just looks exhilarating to do right it looks dangerous as all hell too but it's just this idea of freedom and the throwing off of rules and expectations so i think it was a good metaphor for this go ahead Maria. to me it was also a way in which it was like he was becoming part of the city and uh supported by these kids you know they were yes. with him and it's part of kind of these growth or maturation of him and kind of like finding himself Yes. And so, you know, and, and, and so again, I want to be really careful about speaking about the black experience as a middle-aged white man, right? And, you know, if we go back to the idea that uh, Ryan Coogler wanted to make a black Rocky, there is this theme of black identity subtly running through the movie. I, I, I don't think by any stretch it was, you know, uh, very blatant, but he's this rich kid from LA who goes to live in North Philadelphia, which is a very different place from rich neighborhoods in LA. And, you know, and she's kind of teaching him how to be street, right? She's, she's teaching him about, you know, the, the, the North Philadelphia neighborhood and that sort of thing about language, word choices, that sort of thing. And there's this theme of him being this rich kid who is not street and in the end of this training montage, he is sort of integrating with, you know, he's surrounded by these dirt bikes and quads and this incredible music is playing. I mean, for me, the, the, the remake of the Rocky theme there was really fantastic. These big fat Tycho drums and, you know, all these sort of things. It's a very, you know, it's kind of like Roman gladiator music mixed with hip hop and stuff. It was, I, I thought it was really, really interesting and culminates in front of the front street gym in very much the same way that the Rocky training montage has culminated at the end of, you know, the Greek architecture art museum in one of the nicer neighborhoods of Philadelphia, right? So again, it was this contrast of identity that I thought was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So, and again, identity is all three stuff, right? Or it's all point three stuff. Okay. So they go off, has the fight. It's, you know, again, there's a really, really nice camera shot that I, I, I want to point out there when uh, Ricky Conlon knocks 
Creed down. And usually when somebody gets knocked down in a movie, you know, they fall onto a, a mattress or something, you know, and you don't see them falling, but you're capturing this whole part of, yeah, right, of him, like, you know, kind of slow motion going through the air and landing. So it's really a nice piece of stunt work by Michael B. Jordan. And, you know, and then he has this flash. He's basically seeing his life flash before him, you know, uh, until the count of nine when he finally sees Apollo and he jumps back up and uh, continues the fight. Hard so, to believe, though. This is- of course, of course. <laughs> Look, it's a Rocky movie, right? It's not science. So, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so, so uh, let's keep perspective here, all right? So, <laughs> all we needed was aliens to make it even more unbelievable. But, uh, you know, anyway. So, again, he loses the fight, but that doesn't matter because he achieved what he wanted to achieve. And it was this sense of proving himself to himself so he could get beyond the point where he needs to prove himself anymore. Are you interested in learning more about our approach to the Enneagram? Go to awarenesstoaction.com and check out our certification program. We offer a clear, concise, business-friendly, and science-minded approach while maintaining the depth of traditional approaches to the system. At Awareness to Action International, we're the leading innovators in the theory and pragmatic applications of this system to all aspects of the work environment, including leadership and personal development, team building, diversity and culture, and managing change. However, this approach is not just for the business world. A lot of people who attend our trainings do so for their own self-development or spiritual growth. Our certification program is one of only a handful of curricula accredited as a school by the International Enneagram Association. It is currently being conducted virtually and combines live sessions with asynchronous learning. Again, find out more at awarenesstoaction.com. I, I think that there was something we have not mentioned, and it's what when Marianne sent him sent him the kind of the shorts uh, with both names. Uh, yes, and it says, yes, um, yes. Johnson and Creed. I think it was yes. a really nice touch, kind of uh, showing how you can integrate both things. You don't have to, yes. to be one or the other, but you can be both. Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. a, a great, great point that it's all about embracing the all of me, mm-hmm. Okay, uh, which is so important for any work on ourself, this idea of realizing that we don't have to be this or that. We can be this and that, right? and that's what full human beings do. Okay? Before we wrap up, final thoughts on Creed. It's, uh, I'm still amazed at how... Um, Movies about guys fighting <laughs> can't be so touching. <laughs> it's and it's because it's not just about the fight and or the blood or it's about the humanness of the characters and how deep and they are or the journeys they they go through and how human that is and um, I, I enjoyed them. On that point, uh, you know, look, uh, you know, boxing does not have a good reputation as a humanist endeavor. Um, and, um, you know, and it's hard to, from an intellectual perspective, rationalize the sport of boxing. But as a big fan of boxing and other similar activities, it captures something about the human spirit that is difficult to capture in any other way. It's this walking into the face of fear and 
triumphing, even if that triumph is only facing that fear. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's the, the line, it might have been from Tolstoy or, or Dostoevsky about, you know, nothing focuses the mind so much as the thought of being executed in the morning. Uh, well, stepping into the ring with somebody who is intent on punching you in the face repeatedly is a daunting experience. And it calls you to come into contact with who you really are. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is why, you know, um, a lot of boxers end up, you know, being, uh, you know, brain damaged. Um, but some of them walk away much wiser. Right? We saw this in the, the story of Muhammad Ali, that integration of, you know, both the unfortunate physical damage he took, but also the wisdom and experience he gained through boxing and his endeavors. I, I don't want to over glamorize this, but there's something about going into facing our challenges that helps us become better. And one of the things you always see or frequently see at the end of a boxing match is the two people who have wanting to been trying to kill each other and have hated each other for the last six months embracing because they both know they've been through something that few people go through. And they kind of respect each other. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So, so there was one more thing that uh, this has been so long. I mean, <laughs> these episodes that, uh, that I don't remember if we mentioned it, and I think we did. But this is not about proving anything to other people. It's about proving yes. it to yourself. And yes. with Creed, there's this thing, uh, I think that Rocky says that it's him that he has to see in front of him, not yes. the other fighter. But it, he's yes. fighting with himself yes. against himself, and yes. I think that reflects that in the movie. Yes, yeah. that's the whole part about the the uh, mirror boxing, right? Of this is the guy, this is the guy that you're fighting. It's not yeah. him; it's this guy, mm-hmm. and it's you, mm-hmm. Tamara. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I like what you said about boxing, and that was. Uh, contemplating while while you're saying it that boxing represents somehow life i mean it's it's like no boxing champion have ever started as a champion i mean the boxing champion started as a very normal person that has no capabilities to win a championship but through hard work through challenges through failures and then going over through learning through uh, uh, i mean growing the, the boxing champion can become a champion. So it really like summarizes life or like making us, uh, giving us a model of life. This is what what we can do even to achieve uh, objectives that looks impossible. Yes, uh, well said. And the, you know, again, it's this idea of facing fears, facing yeah. hardship and overcoming them. So it's a good analogy. Uh, look, I, I you know I, I I don't want my son's boxing, right? I mean, you know, so I'm not adv- you know I'm not really an advocate. If you don't have to box and are not drawn to it, I don't recommend it as as an activity. I've done a little bit of boxing, and it's no fun getting punched in the face, right? <laughs> I mean, it it gets old really fast. Um, so you know, I, I I get that, but it is a good metaphor for how life teaches us about ourselves. Okay. So to wrap this up, for me, what the Rocky movies represent is this idea that 
growth and understanding and development are not going back and refinding something. They're about going forward and becoming something. One of our key frustrations with the Enneagram is that it's often this idea of, you know, going back to something, you know, the, the road back to who you really are or something like that. But getting rid of something to find what really uh, yeah. kind of insight. Right, right. Getting rid of something fake in order to find something that's true, that has been there all along. What's been there all along is not mature, right? Life is a process of becoming Okay. The, the oak tree is never done growing until it's dead, right? It doesn't, you know, the oak tree is not trying to return back to its acorn state of essence. Okay. No, it's becoming what it has the capacity to become. And that's the process that we should all be using the Enneagram for to see it not as a map back to something, but as a path towards something, the maturation of these core qualities, and an understanding of what obstacles we face on that path forward. Okay. So I think we all need to remember that the Enneagram is, it sets out for us the, the possibility of what we could be, that the human experience at its best is about finding this path forward and realizing that after we've understood who we are, after we've understood the obstacles, after we've understood the challenges, that we're much more richer, we're much more complete. And we also find that all this stuff that we used to think mattered doesn't really matter. So again, it's this idea of we find this idea of it doesn't matter anymore, but in a very different way than this feeling of, we don't matter. Thank you for listening to the Enneagram in a Movie podcast, part of the Awareness to Action podcast network. Find out more about the Enneagram and our offerings at awarenesstoaction.com. And if you enjoyed the episode, please go online and give us a review. We'll see you next time.